Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. To start time. What's up, y'all? Welcome to Dead in Sports. Chill, chill, chill. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we, we, we live? We live? We are live, man. We're actually three minutes. Well, it just went four minutes after nine. But, hey, we're close to starting on time. Shout out to Cheryl. Yeah, no yeah, doubt, she, no doubt. Oh, she's feeling better if she's listening. No doubt, no doubt. Yeah, we are... Uh, we're definitely going. We're going to talk about it. Uh, first of all, first and foremost, welcome. Cheryl ain't gonna feel better the whole. I'm sorry, Kyle. She gonna be in the hospital the whole summer until the new NBA season starts. Man. Hey, look. Ken said it. I didn't say it. Ken said it. I didn't say it. Ken's stupid. Okay, I'm sorry. Shout out to Cheryl, man. Get get well. Get well. <laughs> yeah, get well, Cheryl. Um, he said it. I didn't say it. <laughs> uh, yeah, welcome to another edition of Dead End Sports. I'm your host, 12 Kyle. Uh, we are talking about NBA. Uh, the NBA draft just wrapped up. Uh, we're going to get some draft talk in, some NBA talk in, free agency, a little free agency talk. And then, of course, anything you want to talk about. Of course, we're totally interactive. Thank you for checking us out. Uh, you are watching us live on our YouTube stream. If you haven't done so already, make sure that you subscribe to our channel, youtube.com backslash sports. Uh, again, I am the host, 12 Kyle. Join by my boys, FIFO, B. Well, FIFO's actually on the way. B and Ken are here. Fellas, what's going on? What up? What up? What's going on? What's up, Kyle? Tell them, man, what's going on? What's what's cracking? Man, I mean, I've been fiending for some golf, man. So I, I I'm looking forward to going hit going to the Browns Mill Golf Course this Thursday. Hopefully the weather will be straight, but I, I'm packing some water and some stuff just in case. Okay, okay, yeah, yeah definitely, definitely. Golf, man, lately. You said what? Yeah, you've been talking a lot about golf, man. Yeah, man. I, 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 ever since I, ever since I played when I went back home, man, I just, I, I've been having that itch. I'm like, I, cause I played pretty okay. Like I, I did okay. I wasn't like doing good, but I was thinking to myself, like, man, if I just start golfing a little more often, man, and like, there's no excuse down here, cause this stays warmer a lot longer down here than it does up here. Oh yeah. I should be killing Meach and Glenn when I go back home and play golf. <laughs> like, you know, I could, you know, we could damn near play golf year round down here compared to in Michigan. So, yeah, I'm I, I'm really getting that itch. I need, I need to I need to step my game up, man. I'm I'm really taking I'm gonna try to take my golf game up to another another level this summer. This year. And me me and B will be playing golf in a couple of weeks, so uh watch out for that. We I don't know, man. We might we might need to we might need to stream it, we might need to Snapchat it, we might need to Facebook live it. You know, it's I'm, be I'm, I'm pretty sure King, I'm pretty sure King gonna love the Snapchat, and if I if I, <laughs> I know he's gonna be cracking up at that. Yeah, Ken, what's going on, man? Oh, nothing much. Yeah, you're right, B. Yeah, I, I be I be watching those shit. It's like whenever you put them out, um, yeah, I be checking them out. Um, but yeah, man, uh, nothing much, man. Um, 
just here, man, another week. Um, NBA draft was last week, a couple of free agency moves. Free agency kicks off actually Friday, man, so I think things are going to be crazy. Um, I know off the bench I have coverage on that as much as possible um, throughout the summer. So, um, but, yeah, man, just just hanging in there, man, just kicking it. No doubt, no doubt. Uh, we would be remiss if we did not uh, start off the show by uh, offering our condolences and prayers to the families of the legendary uh, Tennessee basketball, head women's basketball coach Pat Summit, who today uh, lost her battle with uh, onset uh, Alzheimer's um, dementia. Uh, she was 64 years old. Uh, her track record speaks for itself. Um, she is, in my opinion, the definition of women's college basketball uh, the most winningest coach in college basketball, male or female. Um, uh, and uh, she, as you know, retired a few years ago. Uh, it was a forced retirement because she was in the early stages of dementia, um, but uh, a, a class act. And from what I understand, just from not just players, but alums from Tennessee, uh, just very well. I mean, like there was no ego. Like you would think somebody who, coached and dominated at that level that she did would have an ego, but she was very well respected around the campus and throughout, not just the campus, not throughout the SEC, but around the world. So we definitely want to pass on our prayers and condolences to the family and the uh, Tennessee family, you know, lost a legend in uh, college basketball. And also, uh, also some sad news, uh, former uh, NFL head coach and defensive coordinator, Buddy Bryan passed away. Uh, Buddy Ryan was 82 years old. Uh, Buddy Ryan, most notably, as I mentioned, he was an NFL head coach, but he was most known uh, for his work as a defense coordinator, defensive coordinator. He was the architect of the 46 defense, the 85 Bears. Mm -hmm. uh, that defense, if you remember that, that defense, uh, they actually scored more than they actually allowed in the playoffs in 1985. So arguably one of the best defensive teams that the NFL has ever seen. And Buddy Ryan was the architect of that. Obviously, he is, in case you not know, did not know, he is the father of Rex and Rob Ryan. Both are now coaching. Well, Rex is the uh, head coach of the Buffalo Bills. His brother Rob is now, I think, the defense coordinator, if I'm not mistaken. So uh, condolences to the family and friends of the uh, Buddy Ryan as well. Um, hey, so uh, go ahead, yeah. go ahead, Ken. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, no, no. I, I echo um... – that I actually had a chance to interview Pat Summit. Well, let me take that back. Um, when I was working sports um, production back in the 90s, <laughs> like <laughs> uh, shout out to my boy George Faust. Um, he and I, we had to go cover um, the the Tennessee Volunteers at the time. And I actually had the honor of, uh, you know, being around her and being part of an interview. I didn't do the interviewing. He did the interviewing. I was uh, the, the, the video uh, journalist uh, for them, videographer for them at, at that time. Um, and it was it was really an honor, man, because I remember just riding with him in the car and just his excitement about being able to actually speak with her and interview her and, and talk to her. Um, was something that I'll always remember, man, and just um, realizing the impact that she had, man, and, and how how she was, I mean, she was great at what she did, man, and she was well-respected. Um, I can't even add much more to what, what you were saying, but just that moment, you know, 
hearing him is, is a moment that I always remember. And I always remember when, you know, her name came up and um, it was something that, that, uh, that I'll take with me. So, so yeah, so definitely condolences to them. I didn't know anything about it until it just happened. It was really sudden. Um, but yeah, condolences goes out to them um, and their families. Cause I know it's a difficult time for them. So. No doubt, no doubt. Um, so, like I said, prim primarily we're going to be talking about the NBA draft. Uh, we're going to get some thoughts on the NBA free agency. I actually want to go back a little bit because we had, if you saw last week's show, we had a lot of stuff to cover, obviously, with the NBA Finals. Um, one thing we did not get into, and we don't have to stay on it long, but I got to get you guys' opinion on, we did not get a chance to address uh, the elephant in the room. Um, there was some discussion uh, brought on by Mrs. Curry uh, that the NBA was rigged and or fixed. Um, and, and so, obviously, this playoffs, we saw a lot of, let's just keep it real, we saw a lot of bad calls. We saw a lot of bad calls in, in every series. I mean, we can't ignore that. Um, so, B, I'll start with you, man. Do you think that it's even there's a realm of possibility that I don't want to ask it, it, do you think it's fixed, but where does all of this come from? Where, where does the notion that, because, you know, the people who always say something about the NBA is fixed, usually mm -hmm. their team is losing <laughs> or their team is lost. Right. So, you know, so what, what, is, what is the root of all of this, and where, where do you think that's going? I, get, I think it's just coming from, and, and, and you know, can correct me if I'm wrong, I just, just from this, the recent years, of watching NBA, it do it does seem like just the officiating has just gotten horrible. I don't remember just growing up watching, you know, college basketball and professional basketball throughout the 80s, 90s, and part of the early, you know, early the first decade of the 2000s. I don't ever remember like calls being so bad, like, and not just really one-sided, but like both ways where you're mm -hmm. you're questioning every call that's going down. Like, wait a minute, that wasn't a foul. Oh, damn, he traveled. Or, why that? You know, like that, he didn't touch the ball. Like he touched the ball. Like it's just officiating just across the board has just been really, really suspect over the past. I would say going to maybe from four to seven years, just as far as I can remember back of watching these, you know, recent playoffs. It just seems like I don't know what's going on with these officials, man. It's like. Cause it's been even, you know, yeah, it, that that game that Stephen Curry got ejected from, it was about two or three calls where you can be like, okay, that's questionable. Now it was right. three that Stephen was doing some stupid, retarded, reaching in fouls. <laughs> right, right. But for the most part, I mean, it was even some calls in that same game where you was like, wait a minute, that was called, you know, like it was called against, you know, Cleveland, like that was a bad call against, but you know, it was it was on both sides, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So it, it, it's just, it's amazing though. What I've noticed in the playoffs, every time when something happens in favor of LeBron, it's like World War Three. Yes, it's rigged. But the same thing can happen against LeBron, where it could be a bogus call, not called against, you know, for him. And it's like, oh, stop whining, stop crying, stop crying. It's just right. like people finding reasons to hate LeBron. But I notice every time when LeBron get a call his way, oh, it's rigged. It's rigged. It's rigged. When we all know, well, at least most of us that's our age or older, Jordan. Jordan had a lot of calls go his way in his and when he was winning those six championships. I'm not saying everything was rigged for him, but we all know Jordan he was getting calls. Even if he would argue the ref a little bit, the ref And would your change. point B 
that the superstar is gonna always have a little <laughs> even, even even Kobe. You know, I can't really say on Iverson because Iverson was so small. Right. Touch Iverson, he gonna fly all over the place. So right. that was automatic foul. But yeah, you know, superstars are gonna kind of have a little lean way of some cause. I mean, that's just that's just natural, man. I think I think that's gonna always like kind of happen. You know what I'm saying? So I'm just like, man. Uh, I, you know, I I just think just over the last going almost on a decade, the officiating has been bad over over some years, man. I, I just think I don't know if NBA really gonna have to sit down with these dudes and be like, yo, you know, tra- do some more training or something, because I know it's tough. I've refereed before, so I know it's it can be tough. It can really be tough. I mean, people don't understand how tough it is being a referee, but at the same time, man, some of those calls that were made throughout the playoffs, throughout the playoffs. Right. Years, it's just been like we all all got us scratching our head. Like, did he really? They really did call that, or he really didn't call that? Like, that was an obvious call and stuff like that. So, yeah. But yeah, of course, superstars are going to get a little lean way of some calls, man. I know my, I know personally, I used to watch it. I'd be like, damn, man, if you sneeze on Jordan, they calling a foul. Like, I, I used to get so upset at that. Like, that's so crazy. But Jordan, the superstar, Kobe, the same way. You know, it was times with Shaq. You know, Shaq was so dominant. It was times where he get clobbered. Sometimes they still didn't call foul. It was just like, well, damn, you know. So it's superstars and officiating has been bad over the last decade. So that's what I got to say. So it's not. Rigged. What about you, Ken? What you What you say, uh, Ken? I said, so it's not rigged to be. No, I don't, I don't think. I mean, no, I ain't rigged. <laughs> I, I think. I think. Curry, <laughs> I think Curry was just. Curry's uh, Aisha Curry was just going too far. She was angry because her man got ejected from a game. I mean, it, I mean, I don't, I don't think that was as rigged. Because I mean, it wasn't rigged when the Golden State came back on OKC three to one. So exactly. Now exactly. Cleveland came back is rigged. I mean, you can, you can. I think we talked about this too, Ken. You can kind of question the Draymond Green suspension. That kind of shifted that series. That 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 really shifted that series. But for the most part. When when OKC lost that three one lead, we wasn't saying oh exactly it's rigged exactly. for Stephen Curry. They you yeah, know you could you can make a case that Draymond could have been suspended two or three games for kicking yep. Yep. Uh, well, my man in know, the nuts. I just think sometimes though, Ken, you just gotta you know you know how the LeBron hate is like on another level, man. Because it's because we're in this social media age. I really feel like if Jordan was in the Twitter era, you would probably oh, have God. a lot of that too. You know, you would probably have a lot of the. The, you know, so-called Jordan haters as much as the Jordan lovers, you know what I'm saying, in, in social media. So I just think with social media now, everything is just magnified times 100. You know, come on, Ken, you know. If Jordan was – if we had Twitter back in 95, 96, come <laughs> on, man. It, you know, stuff would have been amplified like 100 times. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I think you're absolutely right. Um, that the officiating has been bad on both sides. Um, we, we've seen it in the San Antonio OKC series. Um, like Kyle said, there were incidents, there were situations after um, the kick uh, where Draymond was, you know, teetering along the lines. Um, he wasn't suspended for either of those. Um, but I think the biggest thing for me, going back to what you were talking about with the officiating, you know, when I can scream that, oh, my God, what are you guys doing on both sides, then, yes, problem. I think that it's complicated to call the games now um, with the high level of scrutiny that they're under and possibly with the additions to the rule book in today's world because apparently that rule book is, is, 
insanely thick. Um, but I can't say. Well, I, look, I have. I'm not gonna even say anything negative about Aisha. I understand her situation. I know exactly what she was going through. She was just hot. That's mm-hmm. a valid human response for mm-hmm. her man. Mm-hmm. Say what you want to say. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you have to deal with the repercussions about it, but you just reacted. Right, exactly. You know, yeah, exactly. Yeah, so it is what it is. But I'm not going to fault you for saying that. You know, so um, you, you just flipped out. And, it, you know, and, and that's that. So, but I think that if you ask me this question a couple of years ago, say early 2000s, Sacramento, L.A. Lakers. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You asked me if the NBA was red back then, I would tell you yes. <laughs> if you asked me, was the NBA red when Boston played LA in game seven, where they were up 3 2 and they had to play at the side of game seven and they got a lot of calls in the fourth quarter, um, a lot of free throws, um, I probably would tell you the NBA was rigged then because it was highly favorable for, um, for LA. Like, yeah. But looking at this series, like, I, I can go to OKC and look at them not suspending Draymond Green. Right. I can look at, you know, Draymond kicking a couple of people afterwards and not being suspended. <laughs> he said a couple of people. Yeah, he kicked about two more people. <laughs> <laughs> and um, and I, I just think that, well, I, I completely agree. Look, every, you'll be a, we'll be a fool to not acknowledge that Draymond being suspended uh, didn't tilt the series. Mm-hmm. Um regardless of whether or not they were at home with, I still say they were at home with the tie game, <laughs> you know, at halftime. But the fact is, um, it tilted the series, man. And, and it is what it is that happens, you know, and um, it's unfortunate for the Warriors. Um, but I don't, I wouldn't say that it was rigged because of that. I would say that Draymond would—he just played with fire, man. He played with too much fire, and to me, like I said on the show before, I think it was really the NBA trying to make amends for not getting it right in OKC. In OKC, yeah. And, and that's all. That—that's all. I'm, I, I, that's the way I look at it. I don't look at it like they were trying to extend it to a game six or anything like that. I've looked at it. They were like, "Oh man, dang! Why'd you do this, Draymond?" Because now we have to do something. Right now we got to do something. Yeah, I, I, I think you, I think you make a great point. I think, um, and and it goes back, and I, I know you guys probably remember this. It, this was, I want to say maybe around two thousand, two thousand one, something like that, where the Bucks were in the Eastern Conference Finals or maybe the semifinals, and Ray Allen was with the Bucks, and he made a comment that. The NBA only wants to see big market teams. Well, now, of course, this was before OKC came into the picture. But, you know, he ruffled a lot of feathers because he was basically saying, like, the NBA doesn't want to see a team like mine from Milwaukee from a small market. At that particular time, you know, Boston was going, you know, to the finals and, um, you know, Philadelphia, all of these major markets. And, you know, teams like Sacramento and teams like Milwaukee weren't making it to the finals. So, and he ruffled a lot of feathers. And then, of course, you had the Tim Donaghy scandal. Uh, you know, and I think, obviously, I think basketball is a sport that is one of the few sports where the officials can indirectly or maybe even directly have some input on the outcome of the game. At the end of the day, 
Kyrie Irving hit that shot. You know, at, at the end of the day, LeBron hit those shots. At the end of the day, Steph Curry missed those shots. Clay Thompson missed those shots. So there's nothing rigged about that. It's not like we watched a, a play or a production. Um, you know, and, and, you know, somebody mentioned about, you know, Aisha Curry's comments. While she is entitled to her opinion, and Ken made a great point, uh, it comes with repercussions. You know, you can't go and speak out against your husband's employer. You know, in some line, in some lines of work, that can get your husband fired. You know, if you don't, if you think I'm lying, go say something bad on social media about your employer. You know, most of you probably don't even disclose who your employer is. But I know for a fact, if I said something bad about my employer, I'm probably going to get called into the office, and it's probably not going to be cool. And you know, it's kind of hard for me to explain to my family why I got fired because I was tripping online. You know, some stuff. You know, that's the it's the era in which we live. Some of the stuff, maybe sometimes you should probably think and keep that stuff to yourself because it just opens up a different can of worms. Now, she really felt like, you know, the NBA was rigged. Then, you know, keep that to yourself because as a spouse, when she speaks, she speaks for him. Even though she doesn't necessarily, that's the perception. So now the perception is, is, is that what you guys have, you know, when you guys have pillow talk, is that what you talk about? You know, do you right. talk about do you talk about how the NBA is rigged over coffee? You know, so it's not a good look, and it, it's really not a good look, especially coming from the MVP of the league and his spouse. So, but I, I just wanted to ask that question to get us started, man. I, we didn't get a chance to get to it last week. Um, it was so much stuff to cover last week, and um, that topic was floating throughout our chat room on YouTube.com backslash Dead End Sports. So. Um, we didn't get a chance to get to it last week. I said I'd probably start the show off with it this week. Um, as far as the NBA draft, uh, just went down this past Thursday. Uh, a lot of names came off the board. Uh, probably a lot of names that a lot of you <laughs> never heard of. Um, Ken, any? Uh, give me your your initial thoughts on the draft. Any surprises or anything like that that stuck out to you? Um. I was surprised Boston didn't make a move. Uh, being at that third spot, they were in a tough spot because there really wasn't anybody that was there uh, like it was last year when you had Okafor drop mm -hmm. um, and the Lakers pick D'Angelo Bustle. Um, <laughs> so we were stuck with Chris Dunn, who I thought would have been the better pick. Um, and, or I guess Jalen Brown. Like, look, I don't know anything about Jalen Brown. I've been reading up on him. Um, his upside is is apparently uh, tremendous, but they say that about a lot of guys in in the NBA draft. A lot of guys are picked for their upside. And from some of the things that I read, is that that team he was on in Cal in Cal was a little dysfunctional at times, and they had issues. And that hurt his development as a player. So he didn't get a chance to, you know, uh, flush out into the guy that they think that he's going to be um, moving forward. So, but I, and I can't knock, it was, while it was a, it was a weird pick because I never heard of the guy and I don't follow like the draft like that. You know, I leave Same that to guys like Q of off the bench and Ryan of off the bench. Dakota Schmidt, uh, ridiculous upside. Um, that's what they do. They're there. 
and um, and I kind of lean on them for that expertise. And definitely when it came to the Jalen Brown pick, I have to lean heavily on Boston because he's plugged into that city. That's his squad. Right. So, you know, he knows more than I do. Now, I can have my opinion about what I think about it, but that doesn't mean anything. Like, he's doing the research and studying him because it matters more to him than it does to me. You mm-hmm. know? Um, so I rely on his, his opinion. And I, I, you know, and I think I talked to him about it. And uh, he kind of explained a few things here and there to me. And I was like, all right, cool. We'll see what happens when he get on the court. <laughs> and uh, that's it. But the other thing I thought was really, really interesting is that I thought the number of players, the international players, I think is shifting the dynamic of the NBA. Yes, um, yes. And what I mean by that is that when you have half of the guys that were drafted are from international, from overseas, dra- uh, drafted stash players that probably won't ever come over here and play. Um, and if they do, they're probably going to be uh, terrible. But when you have guys like that, what that is doing is that is pushing potential first-round talent into the second round. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I don't, I can't necessarily say that was the case with Draymond Green because I don't know his draft profile. But we can look at a guy like Draymond Green as an example based on what he turned out to be. He could right. have been a late-round, late first-round pick, you know, maybe the last player in the first round. But he got pushed to the second round because of the international uh, drafting that's going on. And um and 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 B sent us something that, uh, that was really interesting that really broke it down like all the way down in, in terms of you know the international players' impact you know in 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 the NBA after they've been drafted uh, really good read and um so I'm looking at that because there were a couple of guys in the green room uh, Deontay Davis and Scal I can't even say his last name. <laughs> yeah. Um, that, you know, Deontay got pushed into the second round by one spot. <laughs> right. And, um, it's unfortunate because he was set up by a lot of people making them think that he was going to go in the first round and that he was going to probably be a high round pick because they invited him to the green room. And the NBA invites these guys to the green room based on where they think they're going to land and it doesn't happen. So he's sitting there looking like boo the fool. Um, but that's not to say that the man don't have talent. Right. That the man can play or that any of these guys in the second round that were picked in the second round can't play. We don't know. And we'll find out. And we'll find out um, when they get on the court and if they make the team and if they play in the summer league. And we'll see if the international play, drafting had any effect on that. But those were really the two things that stood out to me the most was that the high volume of international players drafted and the impact that's having on American players and some of the college players' uh, draft status. And I wonder if at some point they may have to look at how the contracts are, are paid in the second round. Um, but anyway, that's, that's a whole other conversation, which I'm nowhere near qualified to discuss. So, um, but just a thought. What about you, B? Um, your take on the draft? Uh, any surprises? No, nothing. I mean, the first like I say about eight picks was pretty much what I where I expected for folks to go. Um, you know, I, I actually you know what I actually thought Chris Dunn was probably gonna be like me. Well, he was top five. I'm sorry, I take that back. I about to say I thought he wasn't top five, but yeah. 
But yeah, pretty much. Yeah, the, the the top first eight picks we got. Uh, Jamal Murray was seven, I believe, and uh, uh, Marquise Chris was what eighth, and yeah, ninth. Yeah. After that, yeah, after that, it was like kind of like I didn't I didn't expect Don Maker to go tenth. Um, I thought he was gonna be maybe twelve, thirteen, fourteen ish. I didn't think he was gonna be top ten. Um, not saying that I'm not, I'm not saying he's like not top ten level, but he just been that always been that mystery guy, you know, out of out of coming out from I think he's from Australia, whatever played in Australia. And um, man, talk about limp. That Milwaukee squad got nothing but lanky limp. Yes. Up on yes. there, and so if he can fit in with that system, man, that they gonna be a dangerous long ass team to go against. But I mean, for the most part, yeah, it pretty much. I was hoping my Pistons was gonna get um old boy from um. The point guard. He, he got picked right before we did. Um, Wade Baldwin. I want I want us to get him because we I, I want us to have a good serviceable uh, backup PG. But you know we'll see what Big Boy from Marquette do. Um, yeah. But other than that, the 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 draft didn't really surprise me. I mean I'm I'm not gonna I'm I'll be lying to you if I say I was just I wasn't sitting here just to see what the Pistons gonna pick. Because once the Pistons made their pick, I changed the channel and started watching something else. So it was just like I was, just, <laughs> I was staying tuned to see who the Pistons was gonna get. And once the Pistons picked, they got. I was like, all right, I'm, I'm, I'm good. I, you know, I, you know, whatever. I gotta do some more research on the guy they picked in the second round, though. But, you know, it's, you know, I'm always watching for home team, man. But yeah, like I said, yeah, other, other than that, nothing else, nothing shocked me. Like nothing was just like, oh my god, like I can't believe Brandon Ingram dropped down to six. Like you know what I mean? Like it, nothing, nothing shocked. Right. Me, you know, so yeah, I thought the draft was pretty much. Predictable. With the exception, like I, I think, said, um, with the exception of the time maker going tenth, that was about it. But that was like a small, a small little surprise. That wasn't too crazy. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I, I think um, when I'm I'm looking here at the uh, and I, and I, I I saw a little bit of Jalen Brown, um, who went like you said number three to Boston. Um, saw a lot of Chris Dunn. Uh, I thought probably the steal might have been Buddy Hield uh, fall if you will, falling to six, because I think Heald is pretty much the premier guard coming out. Um, and we saw what he could do in the, in the tournament. And for him to fall to uh, number six, to be playing alongside with um, uh, Anthony Davis. Uh, and keep in mind, the you know, the New Orleans Pelicans had a down year. Davis was hurt a lot, you know, off and on. Um, so I think that was probably, I don't want to say it was a surprise, but I think that was kind of like, uh, the, a, a very good pickup for them. Much like UB, I was more interested in seeing who the Hawks are going to draft. Um, we picked up a couple of kids, uh, Prince from Baylor, and then we got Bembry at 21, uh, shooting guard out of St. Joe's. Um, but not, not, not really any real surprises. Uh, there were not a lot of names that were called that I didn't know who the hell they were. Um, you know, so it was a lot of, who's that? Who's that? That was going on a lot. Um, and then, you know, when you get the foreign players, you know, there's – anytime this happens, there's going to be some backlash, uh, you know, as far as whether or not, you know, the game is, quote, unquote, leaving us or whatever. I don't necessarily know that. I mean, but it says something when you have guys get drafted, like some of these guys we never heard of. And then you have a guy like uh, – what's my man? Perry Ellis at Kansas who, you know, I graduated from college in 1996 – Perry Ellis came in the same year as I did, so he's been in college forever. <laughs> and so, and he still didn't get drafted. So, uh, so I don't know, man. It's, it's the game is, is 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 growing, and obviously there was a big trade that went down. So we're going to talk about that as well. Um, 
But uh, joining us also is our sixth man, our boy Q, and the homie FIFO. Let's go to Q real quick. Uh, Q, give us your thoughts, man. You're a big Sixers fan. We have not We have yet to talk about Mr. Benjamin Simmons. Um, your thoughts on Philly's uh, draft and your overall thoughts of the draft? First of all, can you hear me? Yeah, yes. we got you. Yeah. Uh, I'm clear. Um, first and foremost, this is the moment I've been waiting for for like three years. You know what I'm saying? Like, we <laughs> finally got the number one pick. I, and this is what Sam Hinkie died for. If you saw the sign in the back, if you was watching ESPN's coverage, which I recommend you don't do the next year because Woj's vertical, um, his uh, podcast that he was doing, and that coverage was so much better than ESPN, the commentators were terrible, but that's a sidebar. The fact that we got number one and we took Ben Simmons, that is what the process was always about. It was always about putting yourself in position to get blue chip talent. It was always about putting yourself in position to get that transcendent guy. And the difference between the number one pick, as we see last year, is the difference between having the rookie of the year and a guy that you're trying to trade in the next year's draft. I'm excited for Ben Simmons. I'm excited for the future. I like our picks. But the thing that gives me cause to pause is – Brian Colangelo, I'm not all the way on board with him, especially if those rumors were true that we were trying to trade uh, Noel Covington, 24 and 26, for the third pick. I didn't like that rumor at all. I thought that was horrible. But other than that, I'm completely in love with our draft. I love all three players that we took. We took Simmons, and we took this French dude, Timothy Lawalu, and we took this uh, Croatian kid. Bertrand Cortman. All three dudes have a role on this team, and I think they're going to fill out just nicely. So I'm excited. The process is working. I told y'all it was going to work. It just had to hit that number one pick soon, and it's working. And I'm just got to see what happens in the, in the upcoming months. No doubt, no doubt. FIFA, what about you, man? Your your early thoughts on the draft? Any surprises or or disappointments for that matter? I was surprised and a little disappointed that Boston was not able to move um, some of those picks um, to try to accumulate veteran talent because where Boston is right now, they're kind of in a, in a situation where they slightly overachieve and they don't have the talent to really be a contender, but they do have the infrastructure of a contender. So Danny Ainge, as a good GM, accumulated as many assets as possible for, you know, for the Paul Pierce, the KGs, and, and, and for uh, Rondo and for Ray Allen. Um, and, and that's how he got all these draft picks. I really thought he was going to be able to make a move. I like the rumors of trying to get Jimmy Butler. Um, also, for you, Q, I liked um, Philly trying to get the third pick. And the reason being is guess who was there with the third pick? Chris Dunn. Remember, they need a point guard because they missed out on D'Angelo Russell last year, and we know that they have a plethora of the same type of stuff on that roster. So I, I right. like Colangelo. The the Philly brass is in good hands with Colangelo, uh, with the Colangelos, mm-hmm. um, because you know their 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 history, their tenure in the NBA is is 
it speaks for itself, man. These guys know how to build and rebuild NBA rosters. They have history doing it. Um, I'm, I'm happy with the fact that that's who they went with for the front office if they had to get rid of Sam Hinkie in that plan. Um, the rest of the draft, I like Minnesota trying to go after Jimmy Butler. Um, Yo, can, can we talk about that for, for a second, how the rumors were from Wolves that they wanted Zach done, and that was it for Jimmy Butler. And, and they talk about how trade talk turned down. Yeah, and I, I, yeah I don't understand that because if I'm Thibodeau, I'm making that move ASAP, mainly because Jimmy is still young enough to be part of a young nucleus. He's old enough and come far long enough to teach Carl Anthony Towns and Andrew Wiggins. Mm -hmm. Um, By moving Levine and Dunn, that makes Rubio part of that squad now. You have to recite he is your point guard. Um, I like the move. I like that move. I like them being young as well. Um, I think either way they they win. They're, Minnesota is the franchise to watch. They are in a win-win situation. Yeah. Whether they stay young, move some pieces to try to get a little bit more veteran talent. Either way, they're gonna they're set up for the future. Um, I, I I think Boston, what again was surprising and disappointing. Um, I already talked about them trying to make the um, the Jimmy Butler move. Um, they picked up a lot of guys that I feel are kind of drafting stash, or they may not be in the league, or they, or or hey, they might surprise us and and actually pan out. But the guy that I have been high on for years, Ken knows, Kyle knows, cause I cause I hit him up about two years ago. B knows, Q don't know. Thon Maker. Yeah. Thon- Can we talk about him just real quick? I don't hate the fact that they picked him up. Cause I watch all those AAU hoops. I know kids who are in middle school right now who are about to be in the draft in five years. So, Thon Maker, the one thing that really surprised me about him, I was surprised that Milwaukee picked him top ten. Because for weeks ahead of the draft, they were talking about him going late first. Distance. They were saying he was going to get to the 18th or 20th or whatever. And and also the rumors, once the rumors came out that maybe he's 21, 22, they were talking about out the first round. They were saying he might be 23, and there's a Reddit post about that where somebody proved that he might actually be 23 years old. Now, that's where I kind of might have a problem if if that's true. It is a rumor. But, you know, the same thing people said about, uh, what's his name, Sergi Baca. Yeah, Shabazz Muhammad. Oh, how old is he really and all those guys? But we're gonna talk about him. I think I think the two picks that overreached in this draft was Boston and I think it was Milwaukee. I think Fawn could have been there probably around twenty and they could have traded up for him or taken him even early second. Because from what I heard, the buzz was that people were not really high on his shooting and they were not high on his upside. But Milwaukee is right because his upside is ridiculous if he can get his shot to where they needed to be. Because he's a Giannis. He's Q, like huge taller than Giannis. Q, his, his shot, I'm, I'm telling you, I've been following Thon Maker and his brother for, for, for forever. Trust yeah. me. His shot has come a long way, and he already he has NBA range now. He I think he has NBA consistency already. I, mm-hmm. I, obviously, he 
whatever his age, I think he's under 22. He's still young, and he will get better. With, with the NBA, the, the rigors of the NBA, that's your job. That's all you do. He's already been, you know, working out to get to this point because obviously he didn't play college ball. But the thing I like about Thon Maker is there's not many seven-footers with guard skills. You can't teach a seven-footer guard skills. For me, again, when I evaluate talent, the most important thing are what are the things that we cannot teach this guy that he naturally possesses? He naturally possesses guard mobility. Uh, he also has a Euro step. He can attack the basket off the dribble. Now, I think that the thing that holds his ceiling a little bit lower is that he's a good athlete, not an elite athlete. He can move for seven feet, but you know, he, he's more of a Porzingis versus a Blake Griffin. You know what I'm saying? Like, Blake has guard fluidity. Thon well, has fluidity, but he's, he's still big. Is KD an elite athlete? Like, does KD really have to jump out the gym? He's like seven foot. He really got to do all that. He, he doesn't have to go behind the legs. Like he, I don't think KD is an elite athlete, but he is a couple levels higher than Thon. You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. He's not Russell Westbrook. He's not LeBron. He he he's not at that super elite athletic level. But he's where's, where's the Greek freak at? Where is he at? What's his elite level? The Greek freak. Athletically, yeah. I think I think he's a, I think he's in that notch below. I don't think he's an elite because he's not super fast. He's just super long. So he so he makes up more space, but he's not super fast. He's not super quick. He's just supremely. Long and yeah, he is, like Penny Hardaway. Penny was long, but he wasn't like a freak athlete. But he was right. really good. He was really good. But I, I mean, at the time, Penny was. That's what I was about to say. At the time, Penny was an athletic. Well, Penny was that athlete. dude, man. Like he was, he was a big point guard, dude. You got to think. Yeah. At, at that time, in the, in the early mid nineties, he was six seven. That was like the second biggest PG after Magic. You know yeah, what I'm saying? So yeah. Was, and, and the other thing with Penny is, uh oh, people, we lost him. Yeah, he he said he's <laughs> like this. He just <laughs> he just said he's trying to uh, get some juice to his iPhone. Hey Q, man, shout out to your Afro game, man. Your Afro game is on point, brother. Well, I'm trying to get it right. Hey, FY, he look like it's a summer of '75 out here, man. I know what I gotta do, but yo, but real quick, I want to talk about Boston because Brian is not here to defend himself, and this is the perfect time to do it. Um, I'm disappointed in Boston. I'm disappointed in what they're doing right now because I think there's a circle, and Ken will probably agree with me here. There's a circle of Boston fans who really love everything that they're doing. That they think Danny Ainge can do no wrong. They they think that he's gonna go out there and trade Marcus Smart and Avery Bradley for Jimmy Butler. And I think that to everyone who's not in that circle, everyone's looking at them like, you realize those guys are not that valuable, right? You realize those guys are bench pieces on a championship team, right? And Boston fans are trying to justify Jalen at three, even though mock drafts had him at seven, eight, even nine at the highest sometimes. The fact that they're trying to, like, justify that when he would have been there, you have to take Jaleel Okafor, dude. I'm sorry. Like, the fact that you don't have any other big man who can score, 
It is just ridiculous to me. You have to take Jaleel Okafor. Jaleel Okafor is a top three talent. If he turned down that Noel deal, Danny Ainge is smoking because Noel would have helped that defense even more than what it already is. And I think Boston is in such a weird position because they're like, they're mediocre, but they're still in the mix. But they're not a real contender. Like, they're not really truly there yet because they need that one marquee talent. But the fatal flaw in their quote-unquote process is that they're hoping that one of these Brooklyn picks will turn into a great guy. And the last three picks have been Brown, which we don't know what he could be. He could turn out to be a Jimmy Butler. But then you have Marcus Smart, and then you have Kelly Olenek, I think. And those guys, they're mediocre guys, man. And we're just waiting to see what Danny Ainge does. And I'm afraid to say it, because Boston fans go hate me, the Sixers are in a much better position than Boston is. Much better position. Uh, yeah, I don't. I, maybe I think Boston has they they have the pieces I guess that they could that they could try to get to. Um, but that's that's interesting. You know, I never really thought about that. Um, Kyle, which which GM is going to look at Avery Bradley, Marcus Smart, or Jay Crowder and, and say? Well, well, here's here's the here's the thing, Q, and I think I think the thing the thing where I. Colangelo being in Philadelphia definitely helps. I, I think that's a straw in your hat. Um, I think yeah. the difficult thing about Philadelphia is Philadelphia, the Sixers have been, you know, bad for so long. I mean, you know, people are still, even though he was the number one pick, people are still a little skeptical on Ben Simmons because Ben Simmons, you know, he was supposed to be this all-world player, the quote-unquote next LeBron, and LSU couldn't even make the NCAA tournament. And, you know, I saw Ben Simmons a couple of times. I didn't – I'll be honest. I didn't see Ben Simmons as much as probably the rest of you guys had. But mm-hmm. I saw Ben Simmons struggle against teams like Georgia and Vanderbilt and the SEC play. And, I mean, it's mm-hmm. not like the SEC is a basketball league. So if you struggle against teams like that, I'm wondering what's going to happen when you're asked to carry the franchise and you're, well, what, 19, 20 years old? Well, I think the counterpoint to that um, – Kyle is the fact that Ben Simmons, no excuses, do like he was that guy at LSU. But I think we're at a stage where people who look at people like Brandon Ingram, they they are they're kind of on this thing where oh he has more upside than Ben because he can shoot and he can do all all of this stuff. But they forget that he has Mike Shostevsky, he has Grayson Allen, he has a talented roster and a great system. Ben Simmons went to LSU only because he knew he could play hooky because his godfather was the coach. That's the only reason he went there. He mailed in almost every game, and the dude still averaged 20 points and 11 rebounds a game. So what I'm saying is if you pair him with NBA-ready guys, like people like Joel Embiid, we're still waiting for Joel Embiid to play. But his, <laughs> we wait for a while. his ceiling when he was projected was – He's either going to be a really good post player or dude's ceiling is Elijah one. Now, that might be inflammatory to those who liked the Rockets back in the day, but if you watch that kid's footwork, dude, it's, it's really hard not to see a comparison at, at least. So people in Philadelphia all throughout the media are starting to, to say, yo, if Embiid plays, and he is on track to play, as Brett Brown has said, if Embiid plays, 
there's a chance that Simmons might not even be rookie of the year because Embiid was supposed to be that guy in that draft. Wiggins is only number one because Embiid got hurt. You have Noel, and you have a whole bunch of cap space. Ryan Colangelo, his whole purpose of coming in was because he has relationships with guys throughout the NBA that Sam Hinkie did. Agents did not want to send their players to Philadelphia because they were like, oh, Sam Hinkie's just going to tank five more seasons, even though that's ignorant. But that's what they thought. With Colangelo, right. he has the Raptors ties, he has the Team USA ties, and his dad is director of Team USA Basketball. So he's going to be in the ears of all those free agents in Team USA Basketball saying, hey, you know, we're building something over here in Philadelphia. You know, we're building something, right? right. And then you'll get that meeting. I'm not saying that's that you'll land, but you'll get a meeting, you know? You know, I well, think... We'll, we'll definitely see. I think... Go ahead. I'm sorry, Ken. No, I was just saying, I, you know... I just think the thing for me that was disappointing about Boston is that they didn't make a move. And, you know, throughout the days leading up to the draft, that was rumored that they were going to make a move. And it just made the most sense um, based on where they were. Again, like like I said earlier, um, I'm not as plugged into that city as, as Ryan is. And, you know, I have to defer to him on some of this stuff. But um, just looking at all of the assets and everything that was hyped up. This, this wasn't just something that was hyped up leading up to the draft. This was something that was talked about throughout the whole year. And, you know, listening to Bill Simmons and, you know, all these other people, you know, kind of brag about Danny Ainge and the position he's in and the things that he's going to do. I was expecting something great to happen. I was expecting power right. move that he's made before in the past um, and it didn't manifest itself. Now, again, it, look, there were a lot of leaks. There were a lot of rumored trades that may or may not have been true. And based on what Ainge was saying, that people were throwing a lot of stuff at him that didn't even make sense. And look, if, if that's what he's saying, it, I, look, you have to go with him. And you have to go with what he says. And if he's not getting a move that made a lot of sense for his organization, then you have to stay your hand and just, just pick on upside. And hope that guy turn out to be, you know, who he's he who you got who they envision him to be. So I think there was just a lot of misinformation out there. There was a lot of hype behind Boston, and Boston really honestly just landed in a tough spot, you know, to get the right hit because you're they're, they're stuck. They're stuck because they have all of these pieces, which Raph was talking about, Q was talking about, and I'm sure Ryan would would agree as well. They have all these like guards and stuff like that. And uh, but they don't have that one guy, and I think if you could have been in a situation where you could have gotten um, like a guy that could have been that could have helped that you can rely on when you need a a, a, a score or a superstar or whatever, it would have been great if the Jimmy Butler rumors were true. Right. You don't make that move. I, I I don't know because he would have been. And that's the thing we don't even know how how true the rumors are because you you we all know. I mean, the closer and closer you get to come to draft time. And I don't care what sport it is, baseball, basketball, football, there's going to be a whole bunch of rumors and innuendos about who's coming and who's going, who's getting drafted, who's getting traded, uh, which leads me to my next point. Uh, trade. Major NBA trade happened uh, since the last time we spoke last week. Derek Rose is going to the Big Apple. He is headed to New York City to play alongside Carmelo Anthony and the New York Knicks. Um a, a trade that I think surprised a lot of people because 
you know, there was some contention about whether or not it was going to be whose team it was. And, you know, they had obviously the coaching chain last year, uh, getting rid of Thibodeau and bringing in, um, uh, what's the, I can't remember the guy's name. Um, no, no, no. Who's the, uh, Bulls head coach? Uh, Fred Hoiberg. Fred Hoiberg, yeah. Hoiberg, yeah, yeah, Fred. Um, so, so, I, so let's start right there. B, I'll start with you, man. Your thoughts on the D Rose trade, man? D Rose going to New York City to play alongside Carmelo Anthony. Can they make it work? Um, I don't know. I mean, you know, at this point in Derrick Rose's career, you know, are we going to look at him as him being, you know, almost going down as the, uh, you know, Sean Kemp, Penny Hardaway type of player? Or will this move kind of revitalize him a little bit, kind of give him, a, like, you know, a fresh start in a new city, you know, a, a bigger market city? I think, I don't know if he, I don't, didn't he say, like, if he didn't play for Chicago, he, would, he wouldn't have mind playing for New York like in, in before, like in the past? But, yeah. you know, it's, 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 it was a shocker, though, because, you know, by him being in Chicago, the so-called Chicago son, you you would have thought Chicago would have really stuck with him and, and, and pan out. Rumor has it that him and Jimmy Butler – you know, they didn't really get along, but you know, Jimmy Butler had a nice little heartfelt Instagram goodbye to him. So I don't know if that was real or fake or whatever. But if it was real, then I don't see where it was the where it was the, uh, the them disagreeing or hating each other. But yeah, it was a shocker. I was just like, man, D Rose, they 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 gave up on him, huh? I just I guess they feel like they either they know something that we don't know about about D Rose health or something that that's on a decline or. I don't know. Maybe they just say let's just wipe our hands clean and start from fresh. Because then I think right after that Derrick Rose trade, it was rumors saying that they was looking to shop Jimmy Butler around. So I'm like, okay, well Chicago, right, 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 house, and just start from scratch. So I don't know if that's still true. Are they still looking to move Jimmy Butler, or are they just gonna make him be that guy and they gonna build around him? But yeah, I I don't know if it's gonna work with him and Melo. I, I you know they have to probably get some more pieces around. But I just don't know at at this point of Derrick Rose's career and how he's been looking. Let's 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 be honest. He hasn't looked the best, or the you know, not saying he need to look like 2011 MVP Derrick Rose, but just some right. his his he don't have the confidence no more. It's just he don't have that that extra oomph when he's playing no more. I don't know if he's still if he's like maybe 85 percent, not 100 percent still. I don't know, but yeah, I, I'm not sure if it's gonna work like that. Nah, I mean, and also I think at this point of Carmelo's career, he needs to be the Scottie Pippen to whoever like. I don't think Melo needs to be that guy no more. I think he needs to be he needs to be a right hand man. You say what Q? That's a good point. Yeah, I think I think Melo needs to be a right hand man to somebody. I I I really and you know y'all know I used to like Melo. Melo Melo would be besides him not his You don't like Melo no more? But like a Melo Melo offensively man was a beast, but I just feel like now at this point in his career he needs to take a step. He needs to realize, look. Let me be someone, Scottie Pippen, and let's go and get this ring. Let me try to get that Michelle. If he can put that, if he can put his ego aside and say, "Yeah, I can be someone's Pippen, be the second guy," I think I think Melo will get a ring if he can do that with the right number one player. What about you, Q? Uh, with Carmelo, we now have. I mean, if you look at it with D Rose, if you add in Porzingis, they've got a quote unquote big three. Uh, what's your take on D Rose in New York, man? Uh, right now, we are in the middle of a 30 for, for 30. We don't even realize it. This is the rose that grew from concrete, ESPN presents. <laughs> this is chapter 5 of 10. And this could either be the moment where D. Rose resurrected his career and everyone in New York said, we love Derrick Rose. Yep. Or this could be Penny Hardaway in Phoenix. Yep. yep. And we're right in that chapter right now. 
I will say this. Carmelo has played the best years of his career. This is a really funny stat. He's played the best years of his career with point guards like Allen Iverson and Baron Davis. Mm-hmm. Those are guards who love to score. Those are guards who are actually ball dominant. And one of um, Carmelo's projections going out of um, Syracuse was he's not going to be a number one option if you cannot put a guy who can score beside him. You cannot rely on him to be this guy. That's why why LeBron went number one because they're like, LeBron can carry a team by himself. But Carmelo was, you got to put more options around him so he can, you know, be an option himself. So the problem that I have with with the trade is this could be very problematic for Porzingis' development because if D. Rose is trying to command the ball because this is going to be his contract year, if he's right. trying to command the ball, then he's going to take a lot of ball away from Porzingis, who needs that de- development. He's the future of New York. He's, they're not even focused on Carmelo in four years. It's going to be Porzingis' team in four years, and it's going to creep up so fast. But for Derrick Rose, we're right on the edge of seeing if this is truly it or if he can be just a serviceable point guard. Because... We don't even need him to be 2011 D-Rose. 2012 D-Rose is fine. That's fine, and that was still damn good. But 2011 D-Rose was that guy, and they're still waiting for him to be that guy, and I think it's a little unfair because he really did have blurred vision in the beginning of, you know. Right, um, right, right. Nobody talks about that. Yeah, yeah, but, dude, he was playing, like, like, like he didn't know what was going on, dude. You know, and I think this is a good move for the Knicks because you're either going to get a great contract year Derrick Rose or that, that you can sign to some cash or just drop him. It's dead money. You ain't got to pay him. And the next year you can go get a point guard somewhere else. So we're going to see we're right in the middle of 30 for 30, the, growth, the Rose that grew from concrete. That's where, that's where we at right now. FIFO, you back on the call. Uh, your take, man. D-Rose to the New York Knicks, man. What's, what, what, do you, what are your thoughts about that? Um, can like it work? Um, I like it. I believe it can work. Um, I think that D Rose. Here, here's the thing, and I remember back in the day when D Rose was healthy. Me, Ken, Rod, and B had this conversation about who's the best point guard in the NBA. And the one stat that I referred to um, when Derrick Rose was at his height is that he had more double doubles than Chris Paul. And I'm talking about points and assists, double-double. I'm not talking about points and rebounds. I'm talking about points and assists. He had more double-doubles than Chris Paul. Derrick Rose, and I don't know if y'all caught Kyle Perry last Thursday on ESPN First Take with Stephen A., and he talked about it. When D. Rose was in Memphis and they were playing against Kansas, and they were down in the second half with like a couple minutes to go, or I, I don't remember exactly when, but Kyle Perry took D. Rose to the side and said, hey, do you want to win? And D. Rose looked at him like, of course. And he was like, well, then shoot the ball. D. Rose can defer. And to me, when you look at that front line now, because obviously we don't know who the center is going to be, but when you look at Carmelo and Porzingis, they are complementary to Derrick Rose's game. We saw glimpses of Derrick Rose being explosive enough, quick enough to get by his defender and get to the basket. Derrick Rose is always and has been a penetrator first. When you have a three and a four man that can spread the floor like they can, that is complementary to Derrick Rose's game. Now, if Derrick Rose is trying to come out here and average 25 a game, 
that's not complementary to the progression of Porzingis. If D Rose comes out here, takes about 12, maybe 14 shots a game, and you, because and, and, you know Melo's going to get about 20. If Porzingis could get that middle range teams. 13 to 16, 17 shots a game, that's perfectly balanced in my estimation. I think it can work. Now, we got to see what Jeff Hornacek brings to the table. We got to see what that coaching staff brings to the table. We got to see what their identity, what they're trying to establish as their identity. Once we see that, then we'll know. But just on paper, it all depends on where D. Rose's mentality is at. But if we're looking at what these players are, yes, I think it can work. Kim, what about you, man? Um, again, D. Rose, he's in a contract year. Uh, conventional wisdom tells us that he's going to come out and ball out, but we don't know. I mean, and keep in mind, the Knicks have a new coach in Jeff Hornacek, uh, and there's still rumors that they may go after Dwight Howard. Uh, Joe Kim Noah's name has been thrown about because of his friendship with uh, Carmelo and his friendship with uh, Derrick Rose and Joe Kim don't like LeBron. So, <laughs> I mean, that's a triple threat right there. Uh, what's your take on D. Rose in, in, in New York? That's probably why the Warriors want Joe Kim, too. <laughs> uh, you know, he do not like LeBron. Nah, he can't stand LeBron. He got to beat him, though. Um, I really don't know, man. Uh, I, I saw it. I felt indifferent to it. I wasn't excited. I wasn't upset about it. It made a little sense because of what was going on with Jimmy Butler. And then they said they were trading Jimmy Butler, and then it didn't make any sense at all. Um, but I think Rose needs a fresh start. You know, he lost his team. And he lost his team because he, he got hurt. Mm -hmm. And that happens. That happens in the NBA, and health has been an issue for him. Derrick Rose has turned into a meme, you know, and that's how <laughs> you, you know, and um, it's it's unfortunate. Man. Hey, you hey. stupid kid! Yo, cat, he has turned into a meme. This man was the MVP. <laughs> Yeah, man. He yeah, he right, man. Ken, he hit that on. Okay. <laughs> Have you have you seen the oh, thing that's going around shit. on Instagram right now where somebody put D Rose on the Knicks and he takes one shot and gets hurt? Oh my god. That, that is hilarious. <laughs> Yo, he, he it's like tip off, he gets he the said rock, he D makes Rose a move. A He's coming down court, he throws up a floater and he gets hurt. Wow. Oh, damn, that's cold. Uh, I'm sorry, go ahead and finish, kid. My bad. <laughs> I, you know, I think look, New York needed another guy. Um, I like Chris Stapps. Um, obviously, you know, I've been talking about him all year. But I, I like Rose, man, because I always felt that when Rose was in Chicago, and we, we all saw it, I, I felt that the office of burden was too much for him. And he had to do way too much, and he needed another guy. And then he finally got another guy, and he wasn't too, too happy with the other guy he got. Um, so here he is now in New York with – a chance to re, you know, to get back to where he was, and um, and it's going to be, it's going to make for an interesting NBA season next year because you have more star power in New York, and people still love Derrick Rose. You know, right. it was supposed to be his lead, 
um, when he won MVP and he was supposed to take down LeBron and all this other stuff. Like, Derrick Rose was balling. But I, I like the fact that you know, FIFO, FIFO actually echoed what I think about D. Rose in the sense that I do think that he was forced to be a scorer in a situation where I don't think he wanted to be that guy. And, um, and he, you know, so I think going to New York where you have a guy like Melo, it works out perfectly for him. And you got Chris Stapps, and he can make his teammates better because I think D. Rose would average seven, eight assists a game. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that's going to be impactful to everybody else. And they have some pieces there in New York. So Phil Jackson finally made his move. And we were all just waiting to see what he was going to do. So we made this move. We're going to see how it's going to pan out. They got to win, you know, but I, I think it could work out for, for D-Rose. But I think Q, B, everybody said it best, man. Like, this could either work out for him or it can't. And we don't know where this is going to go, but it's going to be fun to watch. And you know what, oh, it's Ken? definitely going to be fun to watch. You know what, Ken? Like, think about Derrick Rose's Chicago Bulls career. Name me one other guy that can really average a solid 16 points a game on that squad. He didn't have one. Nobody. And then the other thing, too, man, like, like, I think you said it best. Sometimes in professional sports, you just need a fresh start. You know what I'm saying? And, and that's what he's going to get. He's going to be in another major market. He's going he's gonna to kind of feel at home, but not at home, because New York and Chicago mm-hmm. are very similar. Um, I, I, I like the move. I like the move for a couple of reasons. It gives you a one-year rental on D-Rose because he's in his right. contract year. So you, got, so you get to see, do we bring this guy back or we let him go, right? You also now have a more attractive bargaining. Like what you bring to the table to, to attract free agents is more attractive now because now you can literally say, yo, we got a big three. It, it might not be the best victory in the league, but we have something to build upon. They still you know got free agency too. More than most in the East. Thank you. They uh they still got free agency too. So you know there's always the option of having Porzingis with the Al Horford or Dwight Howard. You know, is it depends. They have a big four. All we know. Um, real quick, I think the thing that D Rose in Chicago, I kind of feel for him, even though I was like. I came and lie and say that I wasn't hyped when we beat the Bulls when he went down. I was really hyped when the Sixers did that. But um, when he got hurt, it reminded me of what Andy Reid did to Mike Vick in Philadelphia. And I'm like, you're trying to ride him way too much. And then he just breaks down, and then everyone gets on him for breaking down. Like, no, dude, you got LaShawn McCoy right there. Bulls, why don't you go out and get him another option? And Jimmy, his development came on because of Derrick Rose going down. Not a lot of people talk about that. Jimmy was on his way, but D. Rose was still trying to be that guy. And they made the playoffs a bunch of times without him, but Jimmy became the dude because D. Rose was out. So I think that's where the divide came in. It's not a, it's not the matter of I'm Jimmy Butler and I don't like Derrick Rose. It's a matter of, fam, you realize – how many times I've made the playoffs without Derrick Rose, just build around me and we can go far. D. Rose is not here. He's never on the court. So when he comes back, you say, you're trying to bring back the old guard. Let's move on to, to the new one. I'm the new right. guy in town. And I think that was more of the divide, not more of I don't like him. It's just 
can we have clarity in the situation that we're having? Is this a two-man team or is this a one-man team with role players? But you yeah, know, and I, 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 go ahead, go ahead, FIFA. You, you, you know, I, I blame the Bulls because they have not been creative enough. When you look at a GM like Sam Presti, it seems like he's always ahead of the curve. And the mm-hmm. Bulls were always super reactive. They were always, oh, my God, we can't tinker. And I feel I feel like this about Jimmy Butler. I love Jimmy Butler. I think he's a top three two-way player in the NBA, and he's only getting better. Um, but I think he's a solid number two guy on a championship team. And it's hard to build around the number two guy because how the hell do you go get the number one guy? You know what I'm saying? And I don't think that they mm-hmm. have enough attractive other pieces on that squad to attract another person. So for me, when Minnesota is giving me Chris Dunn and Zach Levine, I'm making that move. I'm letting mm-hmm. Paul Gasol walk. I'm letting Joe Kim Noah walk. Um, I'm probably trading Todd Gibson and getting some more assets in return. I'm starting Bobby Portis. I'm keeping McDermott. And I'm starting fresh with a brand new core. Because trading D. Rose ushered in the end of that core's era. There's no more Joe Kim. There should be no more Taj. Every every remnants of that core, of that Thibodeau team, Mm -hmm. any DNA that's left of Thibodeau needs to be gone. And And the reason why I say that is because Jimmy has a lot of Thibodeau DNA, which is part of the reason why I think there was a lot of friction and conflict, especially with him and the head coach, Fred Hoiberg. Because the way Jimmy came up, his story, plus his ascension in the NBA is tough, it's gritty, and Fred Hoiberg is not that. You need to put Jimmy in a situation where he can thrive, and I don't think that that's going to be Chicago. I think you have to move beyond that now. And I think getting Chris Dunn and Levine in return is better than Jimmy Butler. In my estimation, where I think these guys' ceilings are, their ceilings are higher than Jimmy. Especially, I think, Chris Dunn on both sides. Yeah, Chris Dunn. Levine offensively. So, so to me, that's 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 a no-brainer. That's a no-brainer. You make I think they want to trade him, though. Um, I think they're itching to trade Jimmy. But the fact is, I think they just want to get another star in return. And I don't think that's right, going right, to happen. Right. I think they're yeah. going to either get a guy who's on the fringe or they're going to get young talent. To me, Levine and Chris Dunn, you put that with Miritich, then you have a nice young core. Dermot. You, you, you have a nice young core. You have a nice young core. Like uh, James Harden said, I, I believe a year ago, that Zach Levine is a better shooter, and he has a better feel for the game than Russell Westbrook did his first two years in the league, and he's more athletic. That's 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 James Harden talking about Russell Westbrook's first two years. You pair that with Chris Dunn, who I think is going to be a superstar in this league. I wanted him for the Sixers, but I, I was going to trade the whole barn for him, but. Dude, the Bulls management has been under fire since Jordan was there. The Bulls oh, management broke up so many championships that could have happened with Jordan and Pippen, and that's why Chicago fans hate that management because they've never been creative. The problem I have with Chicago is more the fact that they're not looking into the future. They're always living in the moment. They're, they're, they're always right here. It's always right in front of them. It's never, you know what, let's, let's get out ahead of this. You know, you look at people like Sam Presti, Popovich, even guys like the Raptors, you know, Ujury, uh, whatever his name is. But they're looking towards the future to see who are the guys coming up, 
if I can flip a guy who's kind of good, but he's never going to be great for a guy who I think has potential to be great, then let's do that. And the fact that they didn't trade uh, the number for number uh, five and Zach Levine, that's reported by Woj. And Woj does not report no lies. They said that the, that the talks were this close, and then Chicago pulled out at, at the last second. I'm sorry, Minnesota pulled out at the last second. So if Tibbs is really serious about getting, getting Jimmy Butler, to me that's, gonna, that's a low offer for Jimmy. They were trying to get the Celtics to trade Smart, Crowder, and, uh, and what's his name? Um, some of those grew up. Smart, Crowder, and a whole bunch of picks for them. And Ainge was like, no. So they went to Minnesota, and Minnesota's like, let's think about it. And then at the end of the deal, they said no. So Chicago was kind of like, what the hell? Like, I'm only asking for like, this much. But to me, Levine under Hoiberg has a higher ceiling than Jimmy under Hoiberg. Just my take. It's, it's definitely going to be interesting to see what happens. I think, um, you know, as far as D. Rose, going back to him, I think, you know, again, he's in a contract year. If he can stay healthy, I actually think the Knicks have a legitimate shot at making the playoffs. I think they'll have enough. Um, of course, they're going to have to su- surround their, you know, their stars with, with with role players. I'm interested to see how they're going to play offensively because, you know, the the perception is is that the Knicks will run the triangle offense because of Phil Jackson. Now, of course, Jeff Hornacek, who's the new head coach, you know, he's not really necessarily running the triangle, but they're going to run some versions or some form of it. So I think that's an interesting take. I think it's going to be interesting to see how. Um, you know, like I said, D. Rose and Carmelo play off of each other. Uh, again, I think Joe, a guy like Joe Kim Noah would be a great pickup if they could get him in free agency. One, he's not going to – he's not going to ask – at least he shouldn't be asking for a lot of money. And then when you couple that with the fact that Joe Kim Noah is a guy who is, is tough and gritty and grimy, he's from New York. And then also on the, back, on the flip side of it is that he's not someone that needs the ball. So, you know, that's one less person that you have to worry about. And his game won't get in the way of, you know, Porzingis and his growth and development. Um, it's going to be interesting to see how his how he goes from year one to year two. And then again, you know, having another superstar there or another star, if you will, for Carmelo could take some of the pressure off. Now, I will say this much about D. Rose. You know, he was able to tune a lot of stuff out in Chicago, you know, maybe because he's from Chicago. Uh, the New York media isn't as nice. <laughs> the New York fans aren't as nice, particularly if they don't feel like you're giving it your all or they feel like you're dogging it. Um, and that's not to say that D. Rose has. I think D. Rose, you know, for the last few years have been more than anything unlucky. I mean, they are 30 minutes into the first scrimmage of last year and he gets elbowed in the face by his teammates. And, you know, he's, now he's got blurred vision. You know, he dealt with that for the better part of two months. So, and he still played. That's the end. The Q made a good point on that. He still played with blurred vision. So I think it's going to be interesting. The Knicks are, if you're looking at teams to watch, particularly early next season, and I know we're way, a ways away before the, uh, before the NBA season, but if you're looking for you know team to watch, I would say definitely watch them because it's going to be interesting nonetheless to see how all of these moving parts come together. Uh, now, there was another trade on the uh, NBA uh, draft night. Uh, Serge Ibaka goes to Orlando. Uh, Serge Ibaka leaves Kevin Durant, leaves Russell Westbrook, leaves OKC. He was, quote-unquote, unhappy with his role being the uh, – I think he considered himself like the fourth member of the crew. Um, Q, 
I'll start with you, man. Uh, Serge Ibaka leaving. Your, your take on that? Uh, I was like, we need to call the police because <laughs> Sam Presti, man, highway robbery. Uh, this is, once again, ties back into what we were talking about previously, um, how some managers and some GMs, they know to look ahead to the future. So you look at the Ibaka trade. Let's just break it down real quick. So the Thunder trade, Serge Ibaka, who I, I believe he's 26, 27. He might be older than that. Some people think he was 29, actually. He seems older. Yeah, to me, he looks like he's 30 years old, honestly. I never look at a 26-year-old who's, I don't know, whatever. He looks very mature for a 26-year-old, and that's weird. But um, so the the uh, Thunder trade, Serge Ibaka to Orlando. Orlando, in return, gets Aaron Ilyasova, Victor Oladipo, and I believe DeMontis Sabonis. Yeah, yeah that's, that's what happens. And um, I like the trade for OKC because Sabonis, as a draft prospect, great rebounder, glue guy, he, he's, he's going to fill the role that Ibaka did his first couple years as being that bruiser power forward who gets rebounds. And the problem is for um, Ibaka, Ibaka wanted, like you said, he wanted his role increased much more than what it was. And instead of going out and shooting three-pointers, I just always thought he was a back-to-the-basket, get-rebounds type of dude. And I guess it's no problem having that guy who can shoot threes, but OKC probably didn't really want that. They're like, why is is this dude taking threes? We, We can just go get more shooters on the last contract. So, you, so one, you're going to get Oladipo, who, if Waiters leaves, that's Waiters insurance. They shoot about the same clip, but he is a much better defender than Deion Waiters. He's a, he's a, he's a defensive dog on the defensive end of the floor. You got Ilyasova, who can fill that three-point shooting role that Ibaka left at a much higher rate. And then, like I said, Sabonis, you have a great rebounder who can fill the rebounding role of Ibaka. And plus, the genius part of the trade is they are getting out of they're they are getting out up under the elephant in the room next summer because they would have had to have paid Katie with who's up this summer and they have to pay Westbrook and they have to pay Ibaka. So he's like, all right, let's move his contract. So now we can only focus on our two stars. Those dudes between them are getting a minimum two hundred and fifty million dollars guaranteed. So it's going to be interesting to see. And before I, I, I pass it off, what was the point of trading James Harden again? That was supposed well, to I think the point Harden. was Harden was growing at the time, I guess. And, you know, they didn't think I Harden think, would be I think they ended up paying Ibaka, and they didn't have enough money to give to match uh, Houston. So that's why he right. just ended up going to the more bread. But I think – I really think if, if, if OKC would have had enough bread for him, he would have stayed. I think he was fine coming off the bench being that sixth guy. No, I thought they um well yeah 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 not not totally disagreeing with what you said, B. But I also thought a lot of it had to do with um at least where we are right now, the league just totally just shifting mm-hmm. on uh, on OKC and forcing Ibaka to play differently than what they probably envisioned yep. when they kept him. Yeah, I, th- I think it's um I think that that's gonna be okay. So now let me throw it in. I just threw this out to the people in the chat room. Um, Ken, do you think with Oladipo going to uh, OKC, 
wherein he was the number one option, if you will, or maybe at the very least the second option in Orlando, uh, going somewhere now where he's, you know, the third option. He's le- the legitimate third option. Can he handle that? Well, he might be a fourth option. No, oh, yeah, that's true. I, I think that, you know, when, when you know, Ol- Oladipo, so first of all, I think that getting Oladipo was a good move because KD obviously approves. Um, I don't think he was leaving anyway, but I think this helps his decision unless he's pulling a LeBron and big enough Oladipo like LeBron bigged up Shabazz Napier. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the way he did uh, Miami, he did the heat dirty. Um, but uh, but anyway, um, but I like the move because what it what it can do is that I think Oladipo can play point guard, so and yeah. If he plays point guard, you got KD and Westbrook playing off the ball and, and right move that offense. That frees up Westbrook a lot more to be a shooting guard and not a point guard. So and and allows Oladipo to be a decision maker. Blah 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 blah. So I like Oladipo, man. I think he was one of the best picks out of that draft. Wasn't that yeah. the Anthony Bennett class? I believe. So. Um, yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think if if that was because he was one of the the best picks out of that draft, you know. When, when so I like him, man. He's had moments in Orlando. He's had some issues staying healthy, but the kid can play. And I think going back to your question, is he comfortable being a third option? And that's what we got to see. Um, right. I don't think he proved that he could be a number one option in Orlando or take a team and advance it further to be that guy. But to go to be, you know, a third option, might be more seen as well. And the shift over to play point guard in the stretch of the game will work out for him. And I think they needed to move a bucket anyway, man, because, mm-hmm. look, I criticized Donovan all year because I did not like the way he was playing a bucket. I thought – Having Ibaka out on the perimeter where he's more effective rebounding and blocking shots right. just makes to me, but I understand the game shifted and he tried to make the best of what he had. Ibaka obviously didn't approve of it, um, and he's mm-hmm. after he's leaving. So, so I like the move, man, long term for, for OKC. I think Oladipo, he came off the bench as a six-man. So I think he's relieved um, towards the end of the season. They had him coming off the bench as the sixth man. They were trying to put, um, uh, I think it was Alfred Payton, Fournier, and then they traded Tobias Harris, and Oladipo was like, I thought we were rebuilding here. What the hell are we doing? So they were like, no, you're going to, to the bench. So they put the keys to the car in Alfred Payton's hands, and he was pissed off about that. He thought he was going to be that guy. So I think we're, we're going to see the Oladipo revenge tour this year in OKC. What about you, B? What's your take on the trade? I thought it was, yeah, I thought it was a good pick. I think it's if if you want to kind of steer Durant and Stan, I think making that move, I think it's a, it's, it's a good direction, man. It's, it's, it's definitely you you can definitely kind of pick your spots now at the at the guard position now with him and you got Westbrook. And you know Victor plays good defense too. He's a hell of a defender. You know I know D can appreciate this. D Wade always appreciate uh, Victor is on the defensive end on the defensive side of the ball as well. Um, many compared him to D Wade on, uh, defensively. Compared him to D Wade, so that says a lot about the type of caliber. You know, and he still hasn't reached the ceiling yet. So 
you know, I, I think that was a good move. I think, you know, if I'm KD, man, you, you got to really think think about, you know, your decision, you know, before you make, if you're going to leave OKC. I think he should stay and still try to, if this Westbrook's last year contract-wise, contract, contract wise, just go ahead and stay one more, you know, sign that one year and and try to go for that run again. Just think y'all was one game away from being back in the finals. Perfect, perfect segue because that's exactly where I was going. So, B, you already heard it from B. Um Ken, obviously, Durant is the big free agent. Uh, free agency starts uh, July 1st, I think at midnight. Um, there's a lot of guys out there that the teams are going to be coveting. The salary cap has gone up. Um, so we're going to see a lot of people get a lot of money who may not be worth a lot of money. But <laughs> it is what it is. It's the game. Um, so let's start right there, man, with Kevin Durant. Uh, there's some teams that he's going to sit down with. Ironically, he's meeting them in New York City, and the Knicks aren't invited. Uh, <laughs> as crazy as that sounds. <laughs> um, but right now we know that teams like San Antonio, Golden State, and obviously OKC uh, are in a meeting. What do you think ultimately will happen? Because it could, we could have, we probably won't have an answer by next week's show, but we could have an answer as to where Kevin Durant's going to go or land uh, by then, but if your gut, if you had to go with your gut, what do you think? What do you think happens with Durant? Oh, he's coming back to OKC. Yeah, he's staying in OKC. Yeah, yeah, he'll be a fool to leave. You gotta come. You can't pull a LeBron. You can't pull a LeBron and leave. But okay, let me let me let me ask y'all this: If if he happens to go to like either San Ana or Warriors, do you think the media will bash him as much as they did LeBron? If he leaves, because he's not going to do the decision. Yeah. And I think at this right. point, I think people are. I think LeBron just he, he took one for the team. I think if he did something like that, I don't think it would be as, as bad. It may be bad in the eyes of some people who just mm-hmm. um, just don't want to let certain things go. I think there's a certain way you have to do things. But it's 2016, man. Uh, grow up. Um, Moving now back to what I meant by LeBron. It, he can't be LeBron and join the Warriors. Because you just lost to the Warriors. You can't be LeBron and go join the Spurs. I, I think that you gotta come back. You yeah. gotta come back to OKC and you need to you need to get your revenge. You know what I'm saying? Like LeBron, I don't care if he did win a ring in Cleveland. When you get mocked <laughs> by the Spurs, you come back and you make them beat you again. Right. That's how I feel. Right. So if I'm KD. And I know that with the team that I had, I had a chance to, to beat them. And if it wasn't for Billy Donovan, I probably would have won that series. I'm coming back because I know I was right there to, that close to playing in the finals with, and I just saw this, Ibaka averaged, what, 6.7 points in that in that series. Um, so he underperformed. And now you got Oladipo. You know what Adams is, is about. And right. you know, we don't know what they're going to do with Cantor. And waiters might be out, so you know you don't have to deal with him hitting or missing. And, <laughs> missing. You know you can do the one plus one that everybody's talking about. I won't get into all that. Y'all can look that up. But it just makes more sense because of the salary cap and all this other stuff that I'll leave other people to describe because I don't have time to be dealing with that. That's too much of a headache for me. <laughs> uh, all I know is you got to come back, give it one more shot, give it one more year, man. Yep. And if it don't work out, man, be like, all right, fuck this shit on out. (laughs) (laughs) 
Q, what about you, man? What do you what do you think ultimately is going to happen with KD? Um, you left out two teams that have meetings: uh, Boston and Miami. And Pat Riley oh, is yeah, always yeah, a wild yeah. card. How can I Pat Riley is always a yeah. wild card. How can I forget I those say this. My bad. Go ahead. I will say this, man. Um, KD, my gut feeling is he signs a two-year deal with a one-year option, which means he gets a two-year deal so he can opt out after one, just like Le- LeBron did uh, his last two years in Miami, I think. And that's what happened. So he's going to opt out probably next year if they don't do anything, like get the ring is what they want to do. They went to seven games with Golden State. They beat themselves. The The question going on in KD's head is going to be, were we really that close, or is Russell really right, that close? Right, right, Is Russell that far, or were we that close? Meaning, is there really – is this an irreconcilable difference that just needs to happen, or were we really this close? And – the tape shows you that Russell reverted back to his old ways. Now, the coaching has a lot to do with it, so we have to see what Donovan does. He could make a lot of adjustments. His second year is going to be when he implements the, the system. The problem comes in is, like, like I said, does KD say, can this even work? Can this really work, or is Russell just not going to ever be good with me on the team? Can we ever do anything? Is, is, is it too many Batmans? Somebody got to be robbed, and if there's two Batmans, then one of them got to go. So my gut feeling is he takes a two-year deal with a one-year option, but Pat Riley is going to get that meeting. The Godfather is going to enter that room. He's going to be like, hey, man, be wait on, on, on the way out. This could be your team. Just, just, just know you could inherit South Beach. This could be the keys to the kingdom. Right here. <laughs> and then KD will be like, all right, all right, all right, all right, Pat, I feel you. I feel you. He's going to sign back. But to me, the only two players are Golden State and Miami. If he goes to Golden State, he will be Clyde Drexler on Houston. Everybody's going to look at him like, like, like Clyde on Houston. I don't think he's going to be Wow. I disagree. I 1,000% disagree because he's <laughs> way better he than He just jumped Clyde in here. And if they win the chip, KD is going to be 1A. Just know that. If he plays with Steph Curry, KD will be eventually the dominant guy, just like LeBron was with D-Wade. It will happen. Transition will happen. (laughs) (laughs) Of course I did, Ken. Um, I wasn't wasn't comparing their playing styles or stats. I mean, in in the eyes of fans, that was Hakeem's championships. No, of course, of course. But but what I'm saying is because where KD is right now, I don't think the fans will see it that way. That's my argument. And I think there's one team you're leaving out that I think that this is the best fit for KD. The Atlanta Hawks. No. Even though the Hawks need Washington, the Clippers, they're gonna have to trade uh, either Blake or, or DeAndre to make that cap space. Um, um, JJ Redick, they can get rid of JJ. JJ. Okay. Um, I don't hate it. I think you would have an athletic power forward who can run the floor with KD and Chris. That bro, that transition would be insane. I just don't know if KD trusts Doc enough to take it. I don't know if he's going to take that leap of faith. He might do it in two years. Doc Rivers, man, he's choked, man. He's choked, he's choked a couple times, bro. 
sort of couple times. And as GM, Doc Rivers has not done what needs to be done for the Clippers. He signed a bunch of mid-level, okay, talents, Prigioni, all those guys. They haven't been to where they need to be. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Here, here's the thing. The Clippers have a glare. <laughs> first off, for Doc Rivers' defense, the first couple of yeah. years he handled everything, including day-to-day. That's a lot, okay? Mm-hmm. But now he has his own GM, I believe. Um, and – I can't blame him as a GM because he got a whole bunch of veterans that can play. They have one glaring weakness on that squad. It's the three. And he has tried to fill that void. I give him credit for that. Now, as a coach, if we're going to talk X's and O's, he's elite level. So I'm not even going to entertain that argument. I'm not even going to entertain that argument. As a GM, I'll entertain that argument. He could do better, but he has not done a bad job. He he has completely <clears throat> transformed that Clippers organization, how they're viewed in the league, and everything. And you cannot understate that. Question to everyone. Are you going to leave a team that blew a 3-1 lead for a team that blew a 3-1 lead two years ago? No. No, I'm not. No, I'm, I'm okay, not. And, and I think I'm just asking. I think I think that's where that I think that's where you have to kind of look at logic. And and Ken touched on a great point. Um, if you look at and we talked about it at nauseum, so I won't go into it. But if you look at where LeBron was when he lost to San Antonio, we all to a man felt like LeBron should have come back to Miami, even though he didn't. He went left for Cleveland. Um, and we all questioned the decision as to where, not the decision, but we had, we questioned his decision to leave uh, South Beach and leave D Wade. You did. Pat Riley. Y'all did. What you said, you know, LeBron made Dwayne Wade's career. I did, and I still stand behind him. D Wade ain't going nothing without Wade. We know what argument. Look, 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 look. We know what argument that started. You, to um, answer to answer your question real quick, just to throw another question out there. Would you want to have okay. Russell Westbrook or CP as your point guard? Because you just said that they that the reason why they lost a 3-1 lead mm-hmm. is because Russell Westbrook reverted back. And you mean to tell me that you could go play with the best leader in basketball and you're not going to at least think about that? Really? Come on, man. But CP3 was the only one playing at least when they lost to Houston – he was the only one that was playing. We all we we was at uh freaking Twin Peaks. We saw Blake Griffin right. was making bonehead plays. DeAndre Jordan was somewhere lost. CP3 had to yell at him you a couple have- times because he was making bonehead plays. CP3 was the only dude out there playing like he wanted it that whole series. Right. The rest of the team didn't follow. CP3 was you in the same. He was in the same predicament as Draymond Green was in in the finals. He was there to play. The team didn't follow. Mm-hmm. CP3 would always been there to play. The team just didn't follow. You know. I People. I just don't think I don't think that you can give up you I don't think that if, if you're Kevin Durant and like Q said, you're up three one and you're 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 actually leading game seven. You're leading game seven by what, what it was it, ten or twelve mm-hmm. points in the fourth quarter, you're twelve minutes away from the NBA finals. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people have made the case that, you know, at the very least, if OKC had made it to the finals, they could have won the finals or at least pushed Cleveland is seven, but Kevin Durant has to live with that. He has to sleep with that, knowing that we were this close. We were this close. So I, I think the competitor in Kevin Durant, I agree with Q and 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 um and B. 
I think you sign a two-year deal with the one-year option, and then after that, because you can't make a long-term commitment to OKC without knowing exactly what Russell Westbrook is going to do. But I think I think this team is right there. I think OKC. In fact, I think OKC as it stands now, if they bring everybody back, I think OKC can make. I think they could come out of the West next year. I think they have enough to win it all. To answer your to answer your question, um, the problem is. Yes, Chris Paul is going to be that guy. He's always been the best leader in basketball behind, besides, you know, probably LB, you know. And um, the thing that KD would have to factor in is of their big four, only two of those guys you can play. I'm sorry, uh, besides him, only two of those guys that you can play in crunch time. DeAndre Jordan, you cannot play him when when right. they about to change the rule, bro. Are they about to change it? Still, you still are talking still, about you still it. Still got to hit free throws. You still got to hit. You still got to hit free throws. And, um, and I understand all that, but all I'm saying is this: the point guard, consider it. as a point guard, is better than the point guard you're leaving if you go to the Clippers. Yeah. To me, yeah. I think the best destination is Washington, but they can't even get a meeting. No, 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 no. I, no. I, I think no. the Clippers are a better. I think the Clippers are a better fit. Because, like I said, the point guard with the Clippers is better than, as a point guard, better than the point guard that you're leaving. Oh. Also, the the supporting cast, Blake Griffin is way better than Serge Ibaka overall. Not defensively. Yeah. Defensively, Ibaka and Blake Griffin are not in the same stratosphere. Mm-hmm. But as an mm-hmm. overall player, Blake Griffin is a way better player than Serge Ibaka. And on top of what what – Blake Griffin lacks defensively. You gain that with DeAndre Jordan. So, so the Clippers are, to me, my estimation, an immensely better team than he than OKC will be now, even with the trade and everything that they've done. The Clippers, I think, are the best fit overall for what KD brings to the team. The only problem is um, with. With them, there's going to be a lot of money issues coming up. They're going to have to pay some guys. Right. And will they be able to make and, it fit? And what's wrong with that? First of all, you in L.A. First of all, you in L.A. You get KD, you're competing for championships. We seen look, we look, look, look. When you compete, and especially in the NBA, for a championship, mm-hmm. you got to spend that money, man. You, there's no such thing in the NBA as a cheap championship. You have to play, pay your guys. You have to pay your guys. And and the salary cap is going up to 90 million this year. It's it's reportedly over 100 million next year. So so you look. There's money. There's money, and you gotta pay. You gotta pay. Only thing I'll say about CP is the dude's 31. He's going to be 32 next May. There's a window there. And there's a window to win. Now, do you trust Blake to come back 100%? Because LAC, their medical staff has been touted as one of the worst in the NBA. They pushed Blake back out there. They told him he was 100% there, and he wasn't even probably 50% there. He gave it a run against Portland, and he re-injured himself. There's going to be injury problems with Blake that we don't know about that – Probably gonna pl- uh, plague him for the next couple of weeks. If he can get back to where he was before that, then I say yeah. But even then, Chris Paul's 31 years old. How many seasons can you get out of him being 
the guy. That's why I think Washington is the best. I, I think those guys will be hitting their prime in a couple yeah. years. But, that, but, but you know, let me, it, it let me ask you this, man. One of the best, one of the best aging positions in basketball is point guard. Is point guard. CP already has old man game. CP is already crafty. CP has already lost so many steps, and he's still so much quicker than a lot of these point guards in the league. CP is going to be able to last. CP has been healthy the majority of his career. CP's IQ is still going to be as good as it is now, if not better, the older he gets. CP will be fine. CP is not the question. Blake Griffin, his maturity, his injury history, all of that is the question. DeAndre Jordan is no question. You know what you're going to get with him, and hopefully with the rule change, it will not affect outcomes of the game as much. But, I, I'm man, look, they have more. They have more talent than OKC does right now. You know what I'm saying? And, 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 I'm, and I'm talking cream of the crop talent. I'm not talking about over the course of the roster mm-hmm. talent. OKC is still deeper. But when mm-hmm. you're talking about a big three or a big four, they just fit like a glove, in my estimation. Can we explore the Golden State option real quick? Um, people That's- want him to go to Golden State. There are a lot of uh, Golden State fans who said that they'll make that trade in a second. There are those who feel as though that you would have to gut the entire roster. If I'm not if I'm not mistaken, you'll have to let go of Barbosa, Spates. You'll probably have to let go of Iguodala. Iggy, Bogut. Um, and Barnes. obviously Harrison Barnes and Azili have to go. Player, the French player is uh, Livingston, even though they want to keep him. And here's the here's the problem with that. Uh, I think um, I think Curry. Look, knock on wood, there is no guarantee in sports that you know with all the problems that he's had in his lower extremities that he's gonna come back to being 100 percent. Like like that as soon as the opener happens, or he's gonna be like that for the rest of his career. And because it's only an MCL sprain, there is not as much cause to pause. But those ticky tack injuries, you know, all those twinges and twitches in in your MCLs and ACLs, those weigh on you as time goes. And seeing Curry mess himself up against Houston and never being the same again. I think KD would have to really weigh, okay, if I go here, people are going to look at me as the guy who just joined the best team ever in terms right. of, you know, the, the, the record. Whoa, and whoa, I'll be whoa, filling whoa, in a role. Just of something. Like that LeBron. shooting would, would be insane, obviously. Like LeBron had to yeah. go, go to Miami? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Is that what you're it's saying? Not, it's not, it's hey, not. Real, it's, real I'm just, I'm just, like, real quick, real quick question before we move on to the next one, because we, we're, we're up against time. Real, real quick question, for, and it's just a yes or no for everybody. B, I'll start with you. And Q just made me think of something. Did this, did the, do you think that the quest for 73 wins eventually took its toll on uh, Golden State? Uh, I, think it, I think it probably did. I think to a certain extent. I, I, I think it kind of did. Took a toll on them because you can. It was certain points like in that April, starting in April, you can tell like the looks on their faces that they were kind of like 
tired, and then, you know, Stephen, uh, Coach Kerr was kind of questioning, should he start going to the bench, you know, giving them a little bit more rest for the players, but, you know, Draymond Green, like, we want to go for it, but right. I don't know, it's like in Stephen Curry and Klay Thompson's face, it just seemed like guys was getting a little more worn out, you know, a little more worn out heading towards that April month, from what I remember, and Andre Iguodala, they was looking, you know, Andre Iguodala, vet, he's like, look, man, you know, we can, the main focus is the championship, so... Right. Maybe so. Maybe that probably because you know, just like I think Ken mentioned it. Like once they after that OKC series, I think that just that 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 wore them out. You know, coming back from three yeah. one like that and then winning the first two games in in Cleveland, and they was like, okay, cool, we can cruise. So you know, maybe they and the reason why is because they was chasing that seventy three. Why they felt they can cruise after they went up two games to zero against the Cavs, and then you saw what happened with that series. So. Yeah, I think to a certain extent, I think it did kind of took a toll on them chasing for that 73, going for the 73 wins, because that's a lot, man. I mean, that's that's a long, long NBA season, and that's a lot of wins. You know, if yeah. you be focused like that and play a lot of those minutes, if those guys would have been resting that last week of the NBA, you know, I think them guys would have been okay. But so what about you, think, you uh, FIFA? Hold on, let, let me ask B. So, B, you think it's more physical than mental? Because I felt like it was Both. more of a mental than it was physical. Probably both. And I'm just going by, like, body languages of the players. Like, I just think they were yeah. just like... That, that, that's what I'm going yeah. by, too, because at the end of the day, everybody plays the same 82 games. You right. know what I'm saying? So physically, to me, I, I, when I watched them play, it wasn't a physical thing. I think it was more of a mental uh, fatigue that, that they were displaying. Be, because, because it was little... It's the little things. You know what I'm saying? Like, the defensive assignments. But it it makes a difference when you when you playing less minutes though. Like when you playing less minutes, that's the physical part that can take a toll as well. If you playing more minutes because you're trying to win win games, you know what I'm saying? It's not like it's not like Curry was playing you know 15 minutes the last you know four games of the regular season. You know what I'm saying? They still they still popping out 35, 38 minutes. So from a physical standpoint, you can say it's also physical wear and tear as well as mental. What about you, Ken? Yeah, but I don't fault them for it. I mean, you got to go for it. You got to go for it. You, you, you know, you have a chance to make history, man. You, yeah. can't, you can't let that go. And um, you live with the results. And they were one game away from, you know, making history. And um, it just it just took a toll on them. You know, the OK series, OKC series lasted longer than it probably should have and probably longer then they wanted wanted it to last, and they, um, you know, Curry slipped, you know, and and, and got hurt. Uh, he doesn't need surgery, but people are saying he had his knee, uh, ice on his knee and stuff like that. Now, look, I know we're – and I think people has a point in terms of the mental aspect of the game. Mm-hmm. Because in a lot of those games, they were chilling on the four, in the fourth quarter. You know what I'm saying? So I think mentally over time – Having to come back, you know, uh, when you're trailing, you know, getting in the second half of the season, a lot of teams' best punch. Having to win out the last four games against the Spurs, I think, twice. Right. You know, I forgot whoever else they played. And then uh, getting down 3-1, having to come back from that, doing it, taking a 3-1 lead, and then, of course, Draymond suspended lose a game, you lose another game, and then you're in game seven, and it's like, uh-oh, what if? <laughs> right. And what if happened? 
And um, but you got to go for it, and I do not fault them for it, man, because I would have went for it too. Yeah, I just I, I think there to some degree uh, there's the thought that they they traded in a regular season title for uh you know for the for the NBA title, and that's not to say I mean they could have they could have rested all those guys. I mean if you can't stop LeBron or you can't stop Kyrie, then you know I mean hey you gotta get you know I'll put it like this. I, I can definitely see where the mental fatigue may have come in, but I'm not necessarily giving Golden State a pass because you had, at the end of the day, you had game seven on your home floor. You got the MVP. You got the coach of the year. Given that scenario, if I'd given you that scenario at the beginning of the season or the beginning of the playoffs, you say, you know what, I'll take my team, the defending champions, all day long. And they didn't They didn't show up. They came up short. The last four minutes of the game, they didn't score. So, hey, I mean, you've been scoring. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I'm still here. I, I had a call come in. Okay. Um, but, yeah, uh, real quick before we get out of here, uh, the USA basketball named their uh, team uh, for the Olympic team, Carmelo Anthony, Harrison Barnes, Jimmy Butler, DeMarcus Boogie Cousins, DeMar DeRozan, KD, Paul George, Draymond Green, Kyrie, uh, DeAndre Jordan, Kyle Lowry, as well as Klay Thompson. Q, do you think this team is capable of losing and not bringing home a gold medal? Um, anything is possible. Kevin Garnett tell you that. Um, I don't even know. Um, I like the roster. I don't. I don't hate it. I was joking around with BZ on Twitter. I was like, it's trash, but it's, it's, it's not trash. Anytime you got Katie and Clay Thompson, there's always a, a chance. But I will say this, the biggest mismatch for a lot of those uh, in, international teams will be Boogie. I think Bo- I think it's going to be DeMarcus's um, – it's going to be his MVP, <laughs> basically, because he's going to dominate all those skinny Euros. Man, it's going to be funny to watch that. But they do have a chance to, to lose it because I remember we lost uh, – what was it the year that – the USA lost. 2004, they got the Bronx. Man, that was the most disrespectful thing I ever seen. Like the fact that we lost that one. Who, it was a. Who was Iverson? Kobe. Duncan. No, Kobe wasn't on it. Was Iverson? Duncan. It was a, a a rookie LeBron, a rookie Carmelo. Um. Was that uh, the year Vince dunked over that dude? No, 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 that, that, was, no, that, no, that was 2000. That was 2000. Okay, okay I'm about to say. But one thing yeah. we have to keep in mind about that team, though, Q, is that. Uh, Iverson was the on, was the oldest player on the team. He was 30 years old. Like V said, uh, you know they had a bunch of young guys. You had Carmelo uh, and um, LeBron. I think he was 20. They he might have been 19. Both, yeah, they were both like. like oh, man, okay, I'm about to tell you. Here, here go the squad. I got it up. Allen Iverson, Stephon Marbury, Dwayne Wade, Carlos Boozer, Carmelo Anthony, LeBron James, Mickey Okafor. Mecca Okafor. Mecca Okafor. Sean Marion, Amari Stockford, Tim Duncan, Lamar Odom, and Richard Jefferson. They won How does a Mecca Okafor make your team? They won Bronx. They won Bronx. Coach, head coach was Larry Brown. Assistance was Greg Pop, Roy Williams, and Oliver Purnell. How is Larry Brown? All right. I love Larry, but fam, Greg is assistant. That's the But you got to think, this was 2004. Larry Brown was fresh off the championship, so I can see why. They exactly. Were. Exactly. And, and keep in mind, too, that there was some I don't want to call it beef, but Larry Brown went he he had a couple of spells in that um 
in, in some of one of those rounds where he didn't play Carmelo or LeBron. And, I mean, these guys were relatively rookies, if I'm not mistaken, coming to – or maybe they just they was finished their rookie season. They coming off their rookie seasons. They were coming off their rookie seasons. And right. D-Wade, D-Wade, Carmelo, and um and uh LeBron coming off rookie season. So, you know, I'm surprised any Golden State players are even playing after what, what just happened. Yeah. Me I remember, I remember Kyrie was tweeting. Uh, Kyrie, Kyrie tweeted, "I mean, I'm I'm the champ now, so I get to see a couple Golden State guys. That that that's gonna be funny." I'm like, "No, nah, dude, I'm swinging on you if you bring that shit to me." Like, no, don't be talking about how you just won. Like, honestly, like Clay right. and Draymond's gonna swing on Kyrie, bro. Watch Kyrie gonna walk in there doing with with no shirt on, like it's the championship parade and get swung on one time, fam. Know that, like, it's not happening. That no. I'm Man, trust me. These the, those guys have egos, and and you won't have that. What you will have is a whole bunch of trash talk. Um, the the '92 Olympic team, the Dream Team, known for trash talk. I mean, Jordan ragged on Barkley and all of those guys that he denied rings to, and he and Jordan's because coming off of the ring, so you know he was he was he was the guy he in the beat in Drexler. The, uh, he just beat Drexler. Exactly. He had just beat Drexler, and he was about to beat Barkley. And he had just beaten Magic the year before. So, you know, and he beat uh, Patrick Ewing, too. So, you know, it was a couple of – he had a couple of bodies on his, on his team. <laughs> oh, man. So, yeah, that's the, that's the Olympic team. Ken, do you think uh, – what, what, what do you think about this, this team's chances? Uh, do you think that they're a lot to bring home the gold? Um, any team with Harrison Barnes on it always <laughs> <laughs> So – you know, I know, man. It, and look, look, being being the hometown bias, why they didn't put KCP on that squad, man? Like, damn, oh, like, damn. Put K, get, let him get the experience. Hey, man, let's what, bring Kobe you know, back. What's, what's interesting? Right. You know what's interesting? And I'm looking at this roster, and I don't know if you guys peeped this, but with as many guard, dope point guards as we have in the NBA, there's not really a lot of point guards on this team. I mean, it's not guard driven, really, if you think about it. Because you got Kyrie, and then you've got. Who else is the other point guard? Oh, DeRoe, um, Lowry, I guess. Uh, yeah, Kay, yeah, Kyle Lowry. Uh, I don't really like this roster, to be honest. Damn, Kyle Lowry, I guess. Damn. <laughs> I, I mean, but I mean, but like, I, I'm be honest, Q. I'm not. I'm not. A, I mean, of course, I'm gonna watch and I'm gonna root for the team, but I'm not a I'm fan not of this Kyle roster. Lowry. And I understand why some guys didn't play. I mean, you know, you don't have a LeBron, you don't have, you know, obviously you don't have a Kobe, but you know, you don't have some of the the, the superstars. But still, I mean, like. I this think is like the second tier. I think Paul George, KD, and DeMarcus will be enough to get it done. Honestly, yeah. And you got so you got your shooter in Clay Thompson because you playing Olympics, playing Olympics. You need shooters, man. You definitely need. Yeah, you shooters. gotta have shooters. And, and you know them 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 Euros. You know Draymond gonna kick a couple people in the nuts, so they gonna definitely win a couple. <laughs> See, that was yeah, the reason why. To me, that was the reason. One of the reasons why the 2004 squad didn't get it done because they didn't have no shooter. All you had was athletic. Guys, but you didn't not you didn't have no pure shooters. You need pure shooters when you're playing against them 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 overseas dudes, man. Tell you, me something. Where's Damian Lillard? Why is Damian Lillard not on this? Team? Did he turn it down? I think he denied it because yeah, I, was, I think he that turned it down. Zika, that oh Zika yeah, yeah. Not, hey, that, that, yeah, that Zeke ain't something you want to play with. You don't want to mess around with Zeke. <laughs> <laughs> I'm talking man. about you have to abstain from sex for four months. Nah, man, you don't mess with that. Man. You don't mess with that. Um. Yeah, man. So, oh, somebody said, uh, Ryan said plantar fasciitis. Okay. Wow, I didn't know he was hurt. Oh, damn. Um, okay. Yeah, okay. All right, man. So, we, we're up on uh, um, our time. So, we're going to get ready to get up out of here. 
we're we actually dead in sports. We're actually going to take a couple weeks off, um, but you will not be devoid of sports reporting and sports news. Uh, fellas from off the bench is going to be running the show for the next couple of weeks uh, while we take a much needed vacation. I mean, we're not going anywhere. We'll still be around, but you know, we just won't be on live for the next couple of weeks. So um, make sure that you check out our homie Q, our boy Ryan. Um, off the bench, make sure that you follow them on all social media uh, at Off the Bench. Um, so with that, let's getting our parting shots. B, you got a parting shot? Um, yeah, go Serena, man. I hope she get her 22nd uh, major a Grand Slam uh, title. You know, and tie up uh, Steffi Groff, and hopefully get a chance to pass her when she win Wimbledon and the U.S. Open. So yeah, I'm gonna go ahead, Serena. I'm watching. I'm watching. Like I said, this is the only time I watch. Tennis faithfully is during the Grand Slams, the French Open, Aussie Open, Wimbledon, and the U.S. Open. So I'm, I'm, I hope Serena can pull out, get that 22nd major, man. That'd be big. What about you, Ken? Well, FIFO isn't here, <laughs> uh, but I wanted to let him know, and I'll text him that if it wasn't for Dwayne Wade, LeBron would <laughs> He still he wouldn't have any championships. If it wasn't for Dwayne Wade, LeBron wouldn't have came back from a three-one deficit. If it wasn't for LeBron James, Dwayne Wade wouldn't have two losses on his resume, thanks to LeBron James. LeBron James had to learn how to win a championship because, because of Wade. Dwayne Wade. Facts only. It's documented. <laughs> he went there. He said. Because, I mean, D-Wade, D-Wade legacy was cemented just off of his 2000. <laughs> yeah, man. He, 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 was being compared, he was being compared to Jordan, dude. Like, like fair. Like, fairly being compared to Jordan right. in 2006. His 06 performance is still one of the greatest final yeah, performances. Yeah. All, all oh, no question. No question. It was cemented, dude. And, and, and LeBron learned so much, he tried to bring that same culture to, my, uh, to Cleveland from Miami. That he learned from Pat Riley mm. and Dwayne Wade. That's documented too. There's an article about that. Yeah. So FIFO needs to chill. I know he's happy. LeBron got him a chip. Yeah, text him that. Text him that. But you know what? Now that we talking, FIFO, you better be happy. The NBA suspended Draymond Green if we want to talk mm. about it. Uh-oh. <laughs> Shots fired. I'm going to stop right there. <laughs> The NBA is rigged. I'm with Aisha right now. <laughs> oh, uh, see, when you know when it gets late, he start he start going off on a tangent. What about you, Q? Any parting shot? Parting shot, real quick. Follow off the bench at OFFTHA on Twitter. And Brian Colangelo, stay the hell away from Harrison Barnes, the free agency. We don't need him on this team, fam. We're bad, but dude. We, we don't need that type of bad on, on, on the team, man. Dude disappears way too often. He was trash in the finals. Stay away from him. I don't want to see him even in Philly because I'm not trying to swing on dude. I'm not trying to run up on him and say get out because that's just not what's going to happen here. Stay away from him, Brian Colangelo. Stay away. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> hey, man, we ain't got no bail money for you now. There's, 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 no, dead, there's no dead in sports wanting to get your ass out of jail. <laughs> Look, for the record, because I want this documented, FIFA ran uh, just like LeBron did uh, to the San Antonio Spurs. I 
just want to get that. Oh out. man, uh, I'm not gonna go off, but you know, hey, uh, you, you know I, I can only imagine what these text messages are gonna look like over the next 20, 15 minutes, 15, 20 minutes. Um, my parting shot is a shameless self plug. If you haven't done so already, make sure that you check out my podcast, the Twelve Kyle Podcast. Um, one of the things that I'm doing on the podcast is kind of different. Is that uh, along with talking about just about any and everything, I do this little thing where I talk about around the anniversary dates. I talk about albums that are turning hip hop albums that are turning 20 years old. On last week's podcast, I talked about. Uh, Reasonable Doubt, which turned 20 years old. And this week's podcast, which will drop on Friday, will be the 20-year anniversary of It Was Written by Nas. Um, so I got to thinking about 1996, because 1996 is a great year. As I mentioned earlier, it's the year that I graduated from college. Also, I got into a little debate with one of the homies on Facebook when he told me that the 1996 NBA draft was the best draft ever. So I got to thinking, mm. I'm like, nah, 84 was better. Because 84, you had Barkley. You had Jordan, you had Hakeem Olajuwon, you had uh, Carl Malone, you had Stockton. Those are five Hall of Famers. And then I said, well, 96 doesn't have, you know, I, I could only think of two Hall of Famers off the top mm-hmm. of my head from the 96 draft, Kobe and AI. And then he Ray mentioned... Allen? Love for Ray Ray? For Jesus well, there you go. He, he mentioned Ray Allen and he mentioned um, Stephon Marbury, who probably will mm-hmm. go into the, you know, based Hall on his stuff in, 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 um, in China. So, got me to thinking, on an upcoming podcast, we will be talking about 1996 NBA draft versus the 1984 NBA draft. So, make sure that you tune tune in for that. Uh, That's going to do it for us, for Ken, for B, for FIFO, and our boy Q. Uh, This is another edition of Dead End Sports. We'll holler at you next week. Peace. Peace. Not next week. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, not next week. Yeah. Three weeks. Yeah. Off the bench. I'll be here. I'll be here. And shout out shout out to Q Afro, man. Bad boy crispy. You already know what it's out. <laughs> I love it, man. I love it. We out here. All right, y'all. Peace.